Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, it's always nice to get applause, isn't it? That's lovely. I think I'll end there. That's end on a, end on a high. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> okay, I want to ask you a question. Um, I wonder if I could just have the slides up, if that's okay. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, I want to ask you a question. When you were a child, who was it that you really looked up to? Who was it that you really wanted to be like? Did you have somebody that you just thought, yeah, they're really great. I want to be like them. Might have been an older sibling. Some of you thinking, no way. <laughs> it might have been a friend, someone at, older at high school perhaps, or it could have been a celebrity, someone on television. I wonder if you can picture that person and think, yeah, I wanted to be like them. I wonder what it was about them that made you connect to them in that way, that, that you wanted to be like them. What was it? And I wonder today if we still have people we look up to and people we would like to be like. Maybe there's certain people we see and we're like, yeah, they just are such a fantastic person. They've got such a great personality or there's such a great lifestyle that I, I would like to be like them or I would like to have their lifestyle. We look on social media sometimes and I'm like, yes, they're living their best life. I'd like that, please. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder who it is. I wonder if we've got people that we're thinking about. But when we think of those folks, whoever they might be, and I think back to my childhood, there were people then, and there's people now that I really look up to and would like to be like. But actually, I probably wouldn't want to be like them in totality because they do have probably some character flaws along the way. And maybe their lifestyle isn't always as great as I might think it is. Or behind the scenes of their life, I'm sure there's lots of things going on that I don't know about and I probably wouldn't want to experience. So when I think of actually who do I really want to be like, I think about Jesus. I think about Jesus because Jesus is the perfect one without flaws. It's Jesus' lifestyle that is the lifestyle that I want to be living because he kind of is far superior to all the other people that I could put on my wish-to-be list. And in Scripture, it tells us, it says this, that we as Christians, that we as followers of Christ, are to be like him, to be like Jesus. That's what we're taught in Scripture. And the vision at Eldad at the moment that Howard has been going through is about introducing people to Jesus. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to be known for, that we tell people, tell other people about Jesus and who he is. And we've been looking at these three things. Last week, we were looking at the aspect of no, that we would help people to understand Jesus, that we would help people to experience Jesus. I want to keep on trying to understand Jesus, I want to keep on trying to experience him and encounter everything that the Spirit has for me. And we want to help people to do that. And this morning, we're going to take a look at show. His lifestyle, Jesus' lifestyle, becoming our lifestyle. And then next week, further on, we're going to be looking at grow all God's purposes for all our lives. His lifestyle becoming our lifestyle. 
lifestyle, of course, is the way in which a person lives. And if I were to ask you what your lifestyle was like, I wonder what you'd say to me. If I, I said you've got three words, you allowed three words to sum up your lifestyle, what would, it, what would those three words be? And if I asked you, what would you want them to be? Would it match? <laughs> I kind of think to myself, I'd love to say my lifestyle, my eating habits are really healthy. I'm not sure that is. <laughs> Just confession time. What is our lifestyle? What, how are we living our lives? And is it how we want to live our lives? And then when we think of Jesus, what would we say about Jesus' lifestyle and how Jesus lives? What would that look like? What would we think about? What comes into your mind when you think about Jesus and his life? When I think about Jesus and his life, I kind of break it down into a, f a few different categories. I think of it a little bit like this. I think about his nature. I think Jesus was the servant, the one who came as a suffering servant. That was his nature. He was generous and humble and he went the way of the cross he came to serve us then i think about his character that he was holy and he was righteous and he exhibited all those wonderful fruits of the spirit of love joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control all those different qualities in his character and then I think about his identity, that he was the son of God, he was God himself, and he went about his life with that authority. So he would heal the sick, and he would um, raise the dead, and he would drive out demons, and he knew he had the authority to forgive sins, and that's what he did. He went about doing those things. He knew his identity. And then I think of his practices, that he went to the synagogue regularly, that he prayed regularly, that he worshipped his father, that he would fast and he would meditate. And he would do all those things. He would work hard. We know that Jesus worked hard. He was a carpenter, whatever that role meant. And then he went and spread the mission of God, the gospel. He worked. So I, I, when I think Jesus' lifestyle, I think, yeah, okay, so something about his nature, something about his character, something about his identity and his practices. He was quite fabulous. He is quite fabulous. Here when he walked on earth and obviously as he is in heaven. And I think there's three important passages in scripture that we can look at to show us this, that the Christian life is way, way more than just believing God. It's way more than just believing in Jesus. It's actually to become like him so let's little, have a little look at some of these. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to them, or I've got them now on the screen for you. Romans 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So like right from the very beginning before the world, we were predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus. 
And then we have 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So historically, we're being transformed today, being transformed into the image of Jesus. And then finally, in 1 John 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Three great passages that show us that right from the word go, we were predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus, that we are to be continually transformed into the image of Jesus. And then, hurrah, ultimately, in eternity, we will actually be like him in all the fullness of what that means. Good. Jesus' lifestyle becoming our lifestyle. From Scripture, we see it's clear that we are the ones to be conformed, transformed into the image of Jesus. That's what it says. But I wonder sometimes whether we get it a little bit the wrong way round. Like sometimes we perhaps live a little bit more like, Jesus, will you be conformed to my image? Jesus transformed into my image. Jesus be a little bit more like me. We might not realize intentionally we're doing that. But if our Jesus never disagrees with us, never has a different opinion to us, it may just be a sign that somehow we've sort of created a Jesus that we would desire to have. One in our own image, one who thinks like us, agrees with us, behaves like us. I think of it like this. You might know the series of those children's books. And it says something like, that's not my teddy. Have you seen those books? Or that's not my puppy. That's not my spaceship. That's not my monster, penguin, guinea pig. Like, there's a whole range of, have you seen those books? Has people seen those books? Well, maybe some, no. Okay, well, basically, the way these books work is you've got a series of pages that say, that's not my teddy, he's too fluffy. That's not my teddy, he's too big. That's not my teddy, he's too shiny. And then it goes right through a whole load of things to the very end, and it says, oh, that's my teddy. He's so soft, or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Or whatever it is. So you go through the book, and it's like, it's, no, that's not my teddy, because it's... Oh, that's my teddy, because he's really soft. I wonder if we ever do that with Jesus. Like, it's not like we're actually saying, that's not my Jesus, he's too forgiving. Or, that's not my Jesus, he's too generous. But perhaps our actions and our thoughts and our ideas and opinions can kind of, in their own way, say that. I'll give you an example. I had a conversation with someone the other day. And we were talking about the cross. I had been talking about 
um, suffering and sacrifice. And uh, they came up to me after, and they, they were, we were talking about Jesus' death on the cross. And they said to me, I, I don't agree with you about Jesus' death. I don't agree that it was an act of sacrifice. I don't, don't agree that it was the penalty for our sin and that Jesus suffered that way. I don't think he was a suffering servant, but that they thought that it was an act of love. It was Jesus showing us, God showing us just how much he loved us by giving his life. And of course, I agree that it is an act of love. It was a, it was a way for Jesus to show his great love for us, but that actually it, is a, it was a sacrifice as well and that he was the suffering servant and that he did come to take our place and pay the price for our sin. And it was in effect like that person was saying, no, that's not my Jesus. He's too sacrificial. Like, I, don't agree, that's, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that we have to live that Christian life in sacrifice, etc., and service. That's not for us. And at times we do create, if we're not careful, a Jesus that fits in with us. And scripture tells us this, that we are the ones to be conformed and we are the ones to be transformed into the image of Jesus. It's his lifestyle becoming our lifestyle. I remember as a teenager, and some of you might have had this as well, there was a, there was a movement that swept across the world and it was WWJD. Do you remember that? What would Jesus do? I used to wear a little bracelet with what would Jesus do? And it was kind of a good way for little prompts to think, actually, yeah, in this situation, in this decision, what would Jesus do? Kind of reminded me. In our household, we went one step further and we put WWJW on our television. And what would Jesus watch? And that wasn't actually my parents that put that there. That was my sister because she was on fire for Jesus. She was the one. She was like, right, we got to, what would Jesus watch? Okay, okay. And although that sort of moved out of fashion a little bit, today we hear a lot, and you, you might hear this phrase a lot, um, be more something. I don't know if you've ever like, be more Jack or be more Sheila or be... Do you ever hear that? I, re I wrote an article for work the other day, and I ended the article by saying, be more scientist. Um, I was writing something. I don't know what it was, but there's that thing now. And, that, and so I kind of think now, be more Jesus. I just kind of have that in my head, in the mantra. His lifestyle becoming our lifestyle. How will people be introduced to Jesus? Well, they'll be introduced to me and you first. And if our lifestyle matches Jesus' lifestyle a little bit, then maybe they'll see a bit of Jesus, and Jesus will be reflected in us. Because the most effective preaching, and although this saddens mine and Howard's heart, actually, the most effective preaching isn't what we say. The most effective preaching is what people see. It's the embodiment of the gospel. So we can say a lot of things from here, or we can tell a lot of words to people, but really, they're looking at us, reflecting Jesus to them. It's encouraging, because sometimes, as I've said before, and we've been talking about, we don't always have the right words, we're not always sure what to say, but actually our very lives 
can reflect the beauty of Jesus to others. And what really characterized Jesus' life? Well, it was this utter love, wasn't it, that he had for his father and utter love that he had for humanity. That's what Jesus was all about, his devotion to Father God and his devotion to us, to humanity. His great love, obeying the will of the Father, laying down his life for everyone, not just dying for humanity, but living his life sacrificially for humanity. Sometimes it's as hard to live for something than it is to die for it because there's all sorts of things that come with living that life. And he did both. He lived for us. He died for us. He had a generous, sacrificial, humbled heart, a servant. What does it mean for our lifestyle to become like Jesus's? Walking the way of the cross, I think. Laying down our lives. Living a life by the Spirit. Demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit. Serving one another. I think that's what it means for us. Living a life of generosity. And you think about that and you think, oh, is that attainable? Are we able to do that? Are we able? Is our, is our lifestyle able to be like Jesus' lifestyle? Is that even possible? <laughs> well, the enemy of our lives would love us to think that we could do that, that we were able to do that in our own strength, to be just like Jesus. The enemy would love us to keep on trying and keep on striving and keep on struggling to have the lifestyle that Jesus had. But it's not all about that. It's not about being better and it's not about being more good. But it's allowing the very nature of the Spirit of God to shape our nature. That's what it's about. Because in our own strength, it's clearly not attainable to be like Christ. Well, I can't do it on my own. It's just not attainable. The enemy would love us to think it was because if that's the case, he will keep us striving, he will keep us struggling, he will keep us feeling guilty, he will keep us feeling like we're not worthy, like we're not doing enough, that we're not Jesus-like enough. He'd love that. But what we need to recognize is we can't do it on our own and we're not called to do it on our own. But it's the spirit of the Lord dwelling in us that changes us. God has given us graciously the Holy Spirit here on earth that he might fill our hearts, that we might be changed and transformed from within. It's about the Spirit of God coming into us to transform us from within so that we have a possibility of being like Jesus, that we could have Jesus' lifestyle becoming our lifestyle that we could lay down our life for other people, that we could be the servant, that we could love others, that we could go the way of the cross. We can't do it on our own, but we can do it with the Spirit in us. William Temple, Archbishop in the 1940s, used a great um, illustration to show this. Um, he used the illustration of Shakespeare. Let's read it together. He said this, 
It's no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. And it's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it. That I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like this. And if the spirit could come into me, then I could live a life like his. You see, for his lifestyle to become ours, it's not about more striving, but it's about more abiding. It's not about more trying and doing, but it's more about being in the very presence of Jesus and allowing him to transform us from within. It talks about um, this in, in scripture, a branch only bears fruit when it's attached to the vine. You don't see a branch producing any fruit that's just there on its own. It only does it when it's attached to the vine. And it's the same for us. We can try to <laughs> cultivate fruits of the Spirit and be patient and kind and loving and all those things. And some of us will be able to do that to an extent, and it might be in our nature. But actually, the way to produce those fruits isn't by trying and saying, God, will you make me more patient? Or whatever it is. But it's just about resting in God. Because as we abide in Jesus, who is divine, so the fruit is produced out of our life. Not more striving, but more abiding in him. When we are with him, we will be like him. We see this a little bit with married couples. You look at married couples who've been married for a long, long time. They sort of like morph into one another, don't they? They become like each other. Like I look at my parents, I think, yeah, you're just like the same. Yeah, you're just like the same. And scarily, weirdly, some married couples you look at actually end up looking the same? Like, how does that happen? That it does happen, though, does it not? Like, you look at some married couples and you think, you, you've been married years, you're not only like each other, but you look like each other. It's because they've been together a long time, and when we're with people, we kind of become like them. Ah, oh, yeah. I want to become like Jesus. Jesus' lifestyle becoming mine. Right, okay, I get it. I could try on my own, but I'm not going to get very far. But if I do, as John 15, 4 says, I might have a chance. Abide in me and I in you. It's two-way. It's us dwelling in the Spirit and being with Jesus, and it's him entering our life. It's both. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Transform from the inside out as the spirit dwells in us so we are conformed into the likeness of Christ. I think of it a little bit like this. And stay with me on this thought, okay? I think of it like marinating chicken, all right? Because 
From what I know about marinating chicken, which is only from Google, so that gives you a hint to my cooking skills. From what I know about marinating chicken is this, that a marinade gives the chicken better flavor. It's tastier. It's got, it's, it's more te the texture's better. Everything about it is better when, you, when it's been marinated. And the longer you leave your chicken in the marinade, the more flavor is produced in the chicken. Now, where am I going with this point? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You'll walk away from this sermon and all you'll remember is, I think she spoke about something about marinating chicken. I, I don't know. Yeah. When we soak ourselves in God and when we dwell in him and he in us, it's then that we are changed. It's then that the flavor comes out of our life. You see, I can keep trying and trying and trying to go the way of the cross and being sacrificial and giving of my life and living generously. But on my own, in my own strength, I'm not getting very far. But when I allow myself to be in the presence of the Spirit, when I allow the Spirit to come in, 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 into my heart and life, change me and transform me from the inside out, ah, there. Things become a little bit clearer. Because it's about knowing the Spirit. It's about knowing who Jesus is. And it's, like I said, with married couples, it's like when you spend time with that person, you get to know them and you become like them. It's actually when I spend time with Christ and I spend time with the Spirit and in God's presence that I get to know him and get to know what he's done for me. Because the only way we're going to adopt the servant nature, the sacrificial life we're called to, is to see the servant heart of Christ and to see the sacrifice he's made. Like we've got to know that. We've got to see that for ourselves to be able to live it. How do we love the people around us? How do we love? Knowing that we're first loved by Christ, that's how we love. How do I forgive that person who has treated me in that way that just doesn't deserve forgiveness? How do I forgive them? Knowing that Christ forgave me. How do I be the servant that I need to be to others, especially to those who I don't like very much? Of course I like everybody. How do I be that servant knowing that Christ himself was the servant who laid down his life for me when I didn't deserve it? It comes out of that. The fruit of our lives comes out of the knowledge of knowing what Christ has done. And how does that happen? It's abiding. It's abiding. As Christians, we can feel so guilty sometimes. We're not doing enough. We're not this and that. Because we're doing it all in our own strength. We're striving. We're struggling. We're striving. We're struggling. Jesus says, just enjoy me, abide in me, and let me transform you. Let the Spirit transform us. So, I'm going to close in a moment, but I want to ask this question today. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to abide more? Because I think most of us probably, if I were to go around and ask each one of you, would you like to become more like Jesus? Would you like... Jesus' lifestyle to become your lifestyle. I think most of us would go, yeah, I think I'd like that. So what are we going to do? Not more striving, it's more abiding. How are we going to abide more with Jesus? Can we commit today to one thing? Can we leave today going, you know what, I'm going to do one thing that one thing that might just help me a little bit more 
understand who Jesus is and be in his presence more. Just one thing. Because while it's not, we, we don't have to. We're saved. We don't have to do these things. And it isn't about striving, but I do want to become more like Jesus. I do want his lifestyle to be my lifestyle. So I'm going to probably have to do some stuff in my life to make that happen. And I think as Christians, we're very, very good at giving ourselves lots of big, massive goals when it comes to Jesus. And I'm going to say, let's make it small little goals. I read a great book, um, Atomic Habits, by James Clear. I don't know if any of you have read that, but it's a good book. It's not a Christian book, but it speaks about the power of making tiny changes that lead to remarkable results. Like Rather than setting yourself these big things, make little changes. And over time, they add up to make big, significant changes. Because like, if you're like me, what you do is this. I want to get healthy and fit. Right. What am I going to do? I know what I'll do. I'll get up at 6 a.m. in the morning, like crazy people do. <laughs> and I get up 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to spring out of bed, and I'm going to put on my trainers, and I'm going to go for a half-hour run. <laughs> That's it. And I'm like, yes, right, come on. Bearing in mind that I don't run a jot, okay? And I don't exercise in that way. And I think, that, that's it. Right, I'm going to do that. That's it. Now, now on, that is my routine set. Come on, let's go. Go to bed that night. The alarm clock is set at six. It goes off. Snooze, 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 snooze. 7 a.m. comes. <laughs> duvet overhead I'm not moving and it's like it's like oh well failed at the first hurdle what would probably have been better is to make small little changes small little goals that, that could have like added up to that over a long period of time maybe just the first goal would have been to wake up at six. Oh, I can do that good go back to sleep next goal I know they're small, but it's, you know, little things. Great, okay. I can get up, whatever. The, the example that um, I think it was in the book, one of the examples was someone who did want to set goals for going to the gym, and their first goal was just to get to the gym. Not to go in, just to get there. Now we laugh, but, you know, little things. So the very fact that they drove to the gym and then left good, I can do that, tick. But it was putting routine in there, right, every day I'm going to just go to the gym, and then I'm actually going to go inside the gym, and you get, my, you get the drift. We can make grand goals. And actually today I'm just saying, look, all of us probably want to have Jesus' lifestyle. It's about abiding in him. It's allowing the spirit to transform us. We do that when we come together here on a Sunday, we gather. That's exactly what we're doing. But what else can we do? What one thing can we go away from, from today and say, I'm gonna, just going to do that one little thing? Because in the moment, five minutes in your day reading the word or five minutes singing a worship song or five minutes saying the Lord's Prayer or whatever it is, doesn't seem very significant. But if we keep adding that up over day, over day, over day, it is significant. If I just think I'm just going to take, it's the start of the week today, I'm going to take one Bible verse and I'm going to have that in my mind all week. I'm just going to let it dwell in my heart, let it dwell in my mind. I'm going to choose one worship song this week. 
And it's going to play it and keep playing it. It's just going to trans- it's just going to renew me. One thing. It just helps us to abide. Less striving, just more abiding. So that his lifestyle becomes ours. We've got a prayer meeting on Friday. And we might think, I'm going to go to that prayer meeting and just allow the Spirit of God to transform me. But we're going to need to be we're going to need to have some goals there, aren't we? Because if you're like me on a Friday, this is, what, this is what will happen. I'm going to the prayer meeting on Friday night. I'll come in the door. I'll sit down on the sofa. I'll get the cheese and crackers out. And I'll, you know, have a, pour myself a glass of wine. I'll put Would I Lie to You on the TV. And that's it. Friday night, done. Dusted. And I won't be going to the prayer meeting. I actually saw he won't be here, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm away. But anyway, I'm just saying. But that's, that's what happens, is it? does it not? So if you're thinking, I'm going to go to the prayer meeting, why don't you say to somebody else, do you want to come to the prayer meeting with me? I'll pick you up if you want. And then we've got some buy-in, haven't we? We're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... we've made a commitment there. Sometimes we've just got to be a little bit more thoughtful about some of the things that we do. I'm going to get up. I'm going to read my Bible this morning. And then racing around, because I tried to get up half an hour early. That was silly. I was going to get up five minutes earlier. I'm just going to read a verse. I'm just going to allow that to move me. What one thing? One thing are we going to go away from today? I invite the worship band to come back up. How will, how will we abide in, in Christ? How will we abide? We want to introduce people to Jesus. We want people to know and understand and experience Christ So his lifestyle becoming our lifestyle is a good beginning way to do that, is it not? So let's spend a moment, let's stand together, shall we? And why don't we just spend this moment inviting the spirit of the living God to come and freshen our hearts today and say, Lord, you know what? It's not about me striving harder, trying more, but it's about me saying, Jesus, spirit of the living God, would you come into my life afresh, breathe again in me this morning so that I might be transformed from the inside out. God, will I understand fully what it means to abide in you, to dwell in you. So that when I dwell in you, I will become that person that is flavorsome. The Bible talks about us being like salt, adding flavor to people's lives. Our lives, uh, Jesus' lifestyle becoming ours. What one thing can we just spend a moment saying, God, okay, this is what I want for my life too. I'm just going to do one thing different. It's going to change one little thing to maybe help me a little bit more to abide in you, to dwell in you. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for who you are and what you give to our lives. Jesus, looking at who you, who you are and, and what you did here on earth, It amazes us, it blows our mind that you would come as a suffering servant to give of your life for us, to sacrifice for us, that your life was just filled with generosity and humility, kindness and goodness, that you just showed us a great way to live.
But God, we cannot do that on our own. And we have tried. Gosh, have we tried and we still try and we strive. But God, you didn't call us to do it alone. You gave us your Holy Spirit. So that as we dwell in you and abide in you and you in us, we will be transformed and we will be conformed into your likeness, into your image. And that is what we're asking today. Lord Jesus, we just give of ourselves again and say, God, would you come? Would you move in us again? We want our lifestyle to be like your lifestyle, Jesus. We want to lay down our life for other people. We want to serve other people. We want to go and tell people about your greatness and your goodness. So God, would you strengthen us today? Because God, as we see you and we see your beauty, it spurs us on. God, as we see how much you love us, it helps us to love. And as we see how much we've been forgiven, it helps us to forgive. And as we see you laying your life down, it helps us to lay ours. But we can't do it without knowing that and seeing you. So Spirit, renew our minds and our hearts this day, we pray in your mighty name. Amen.